0: sequence start. Space Nuts. 5, 4, 3, Space Nuts. Astronauts report it feels good. Hello again and Happy New Year. Welcome to Space Nuts, the astronomy podcast with me, your host, Andrew Dunkley, and astronomer-at-large, Fred Watson. Hi, Fred. Happy New Year. Thank you very much, Andrew. Happy New Year
1: to you, too. And I hope your festive season went well and was... Uh, Peaceful and happy, and has brought you rejuvenated back to the microphone for another year. No, oh, space no, nuts. didn't do that. No, didn't do that. Okay, right. well,
0: no, it's very didn't nice, it. very quiet. Um, just a quiet one with uh, some of the family. My two, um, my eldest and youngest, couldn't get home because they got new jobs and couldn't get time off, so they got stuck in Sydney. Um, but we'll catch up with them in the next couple of weeks, so that'll be nice. But um, yeah. yeah, it was a lovely. Um, season, festive season, although uh, very, very hot, which I'm sure those in the northern hemisphere are going, I couldn't imagine Christmas in the heat, but that's normal for us. Uh, mm. And we had temperatures uh, well into the... Um, high 30s, low 40s, so th- those are pretty nasty temperatures, which is well over 100, well over 100 degrees in Fahrenheit, for those of you that live on the wrong side of the planet. Uh, now, uh, coming up today, Fred, uh, Ultima Thule, the flyby uh, by the New Horizons probe, which visited Pluto a while back, which you and I have discussed a couple of times. They've now done the flyby of this, um, this nugget in space. Uh, and we'll have to see what they did see. We're also going to look at Chang'e 4, the Chinese uh, moonshot mission, and uh, a quirky little story, but one that um, is probably of interest to many people because this just happens to make the news. It's uh, They made lots of movies about it, uh, TV series, documentaries about alien abductions, but apparently the incidence of them is, um, has fallen, which is interesting, uh, or, you know whatever they are. Uh, but let's first uh, look at uh, Ultima Thule, the flyby of the, um, the potato rock or whatever you want to call it, um, way past Pluto. How did that go? Uh, but apparently very
1: well. Um, so, yes, the flyby was on the 1st of January, a really cracking start to 2019. Yes. Uh, it was on the 14th of July 2015 that uh, New Horizons flew by Pluto. Uh, it seems to have gone very quickly the time since then. Mm. Uh, you probably remember and we've certainly spoken about this before on Space Nuts that uh, in the aftermath of the Pluto encounter the spacecraft was in such good good shape uh, all systems going lots of fuel um, for its, uh, you know, from its little nuclear generator, everything looking really good. That was when the decision was taken to target another Kuiper belt object. This this is the belt of icy asteroids out there beyond Neptune. Um, and in fact, uh, 2014 MU69 was the name of the object that was targeted. That's still its, that's still its proper name, even though um, the community now tends to refer to it as Ultima Thule, a very old expression going back to medieval times. Uh, for the most distant thing you can imagine uh, it's um it's uh, it's a, it's a you know it's a very nice a very nice, uh, nice double barrelled name for what has turned out to be a double barrelled
0: object actually yes that's right uh, uh, as, uh, as as we've discussed before some of these things fuse together or um gravitate together whatever you want to call it and that does definitely appear to be what this is that's right. So
1: the uh, on the actually on the approach, we started getting signals back uh, before the close encounter. Uh, just things that showed that this was, uh, in fact, the shape. People thought at first the shape of a bowling pin, hmm. uh, and uh, there was an epic moment in the you know the the, uh, the mission control. The uh, principal investigator, a man called Alan Stern, who I've met, is a great guy. Uh, he um, he, he put this picture up and said, you're allowed to laugh. <laughs> uh, but then uh, very soon afterwards, of course, the encounter took place at a distance of 3,500 kilometres. What's that? It's about 2,000 miles uh, from uh, uh showing this clear um, double barreled object. Uh, in fact, um, it, it's being likened to a snowman because yes. it's got... So it's more or less spherical body and a more or less spherical head, which is smaller than the body. Uh, and the two halves are now being called Ultima and Thule. And if I remember rightly, Ultima's the big one. <laughs> I uh, have
0: that the wrong way around. Okay. Now, uh, um, initial reports suggested, yes, uh, New Horizons has arrived and that's all they knew. Have they learned anything about Ultima Thule since then?
1: Yeah. So the, um, the, the issue now... Uh, of course, is bringing the data back. And it's the same problem as face New Horizons when it flew by Pluto, because um, the distance is so great. And and it's now, I think, something like a million and a half, sorry, a billion and a half kilometres further away uh, than what it was with Pluto. So the data rates are very, very slow. Uh, The what they did was got you know a fairly low resolution image back uh, almost immediately. Uh, In fact, because New Horizons carries several instruments and they're all working, it's great. I think it's Mm. got seven on board. Um, You can get. Uh, images at different resolutions and with different uh, effectively different sensitivities so um, what they did was they got a fairly high resolution image showing uh, certainly some surface features there are clearly things looking like craters there on the surface although as you said it still does look like a rather wonky potato but then a, a much lower resolution image but with color sensitivity and that shows quite definitively that ultimatula is reddish in color and that's um, absolutely typical of these objects out there in the depths of the solar system there are several of them that are distinctly red uh, pluto uh, pluto's moon karen had uh, a polar region that is very red as well and the thinking is that um this is something that science seems to understand that what you've got here is the effect of organics on the surface Um, and that by that i mean carbon containing compounds and i think if i remember rightly these things are called tholins i'm not enough of a tholins i'm not enough of a chemist to know exactly what that means but i'll certainly find out before we talk again Uh, and these things are uh, their, their their state is modified when they um when they're you know in, in, uh, basically bombarded with cosmic rays uh, and and uh, another radiation. and and get you get this characteristic reddish color. Mm. so um, the, the, the people are very happy about that. One thing, well, let me just fill in the detail. Um, at the moment, uh, this sounds crazy but uh, um, Ultima Thule and uh, well, New Horizons too but both of them are effectively from this distance they're in the same place uh, uh, even though uh, New Horizons is now well past Ultima Thule uh, the, they're behind the Sun from uh, seen from our vantage point on the earth so that it's going to be a break until mid January a break in transmission so we won't receive any data uh, while the the sun's in the way uh, which is a good idea because it, it you won't get anything it'll just you know disappear into the into the wilds of the universe so um once uh, once the uh, the alignment with the sun is broken as the spacecraft continues its journey and in more especially the earth continues its own journey around the sun then we'll get this direct line of sight uh, and the the data uh, um the data download will start in earnest. Um, it's uh, it's gonna take, they estimate, something like 20 months to get everything back.
0: So we'll still be talking about this. That's just mind-blowing, time. the amount of data, but uh, the, I, I think I read somewhere that, uh, in terms of its capacity to store data, it's a very impressive uh, machine, but in terms of downloading it, it's about as fast as a dial-up system, which That's is, right, which is yeah. part of the reason why it takes so long. Yeah. Which, which is still more effective than the Australian internet system at the moment, but um, <laughs> that's another story. Um, but you know, the other thing that blew my mind is I just read uh, that New Horizons has been doing this journey for 13 years now. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. It was um, just short of 10 years when it, uh,
1: I think it was launched in 2006. Yeah. So We're coming up good. on the anniversary, January 19th. Uh, that's right. It was. Was it the nineteenth? Is that? Yeah, it? that's what it says. In yeah, this report. I think it was the nineteenth. Yeah. That's the date I have in my memory. Yeah. Um, so, uh, just to to kind of you know, dot the i's and cross the t's. Uh, yes, you're right. It's two two separate objects that have come together. Mm. What's called a contact binary. Um, that was the same with. The comet that we spoke about over the last few years, um, Turium of Karasimenko, which was shaped like a rubber duck, uh, that the gravitational uh, data on that showed that it actually was two objects that were stuck together, and this seems to be a pretty common occurrence out there. And in many ways, it's good that we find this because it sort of reinforces our, uh, our basic theories of planet formation, which says that things start off like this. You get lumps sticking together...
0: And- um, uh, yeah, and I'd imagine in the Kuiper Belt things clatter into each other, or would have clattered into each other quite regularly.
1: Yes, that's right. Mm. Yeah, so uh, so um, there's a the, the interesting thing is there is a bright band of material around the sort of neck where these two uh, lumps join together, which is thought to be fresh material that's sort of found its way onto that uh, onto that, um, that 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 link uh, that you know that linking portion between the two. Yeah, um, I think it's epoxy resin. It could be epoxy resin. Uh, the analysis of the data will almost certainly reveal that. And if it is, uh, well, I'll take you out for dinner. <laughs> That's pretty. Yeah. My my own view is that it's actually a UV curing cement, which is of course far more elegant than an epoxy. Never mind all that. Never mind, um, yeah. um, what the, what would really um, what would really excite people. Uh, In the in the you know the 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 mission itself, the scientists like Alan Stern and his colleagues, would be if uh, a little moon could be found of Ultima Thule, um, or even a big moon. (laughs) But the moment there's no sign of anything, but they'll be scanning the um, that there will be imagery of the whole region around Ultima Thule during the flyby, because um, if you have a moon, then you can work out what the mass is. Um, because you've got this, you know, Kepler's laws and things of that sort that essentially dictate, and 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 the laws of gravitation that dictate the way things orbit. So that is uh, high on the agenda uh, to to keep an eye on uh, on these data. And and if a moon is found, then. That will be very exciting indeed, because of course, once you've worked out the mass, then you can work out the density, uh, and probably get a better idea of what these things are made of. It's it's almost certainly mostly ice, uh, as as we've. Uh, you know, as we've, uh, as we've expected from other objects out there, including Pluto, which uh, Pluto itself is uh, certainly uh, on its outer uh, outer edges, is com- composed of water ice. Mm.
0: And uh, just one more thought. Uh, now that the flyby is finished and in the next 20 months all the data download downloaded, what happens to New Horizons after that? I gather they didn't think they were going to use it after the, the flyby of Pluto, but they found something to do with it. What are they going to do next?
1: Uh, the same again, I think.
0: Ah. Uh, uh, so Alan Stern
1: uh, says uh, the spacecraft is still very healthy. It still has manoeuvring fuel, maneuvering fuel, uh, and it won't get too far out of range to communicate with Earth until the mid to late 2030s. Wow. Uh, Alan Stern says we can do one more flyby, uh, but also says that until now nobody's spent much time looking for a new target.
0: Oh, well, I'm sure they'll find <laughs> there- plenty of rocks out there.
1: There's plenty of rocks out there. Yeah, the trouble is you need um, things like the Hubble telescope to detect these things because, you know, Ultima Thule, what is it, 30 kilometres across or something, and it's 6.5 billion kilometres
0: away. That's not much to to go by. Not at all. And it just shows how extraordinary a mission it is to be able to to target something so small over such a vast distance. It's, It's amazing. Anyway, we've got more to learn about Ultima Thule. You're listening to Space Nuts. Andrew Dunkley here with Fred Watson. Now let's take a little break and find out more about our sponsor, ExpressVPN, rated number one by TechRadar. Uh, this is the one I use. I've been using it for a couple of years, and I love it. When I joined ExpressVPN, they were brand new, uh, new to the market. But uh, I read a lot of reviews and did a lot of comparisons, and there was just something about their their business model that I. Particularly liked, and a couple of years down the track, honestly can't complain. Their interface is very easy to use. Their their service is second to none. Uh, I've had to contact them a couple of times about um, certain things that I wanted to do, and they were brilliant. So you may be wondering why I do need a VPN at all. It's all about privacy. Uh, do you really want big tech companies, governments, and others knowing? Uh, what's going on with your online activity. Even if you're having nothing to hide, it just feels downright creepy. Uh, I think you'll agree. And governments are getting more and more interested in what you're doing every day. And so, yeah, protecting your privacy is what VPN is all about. And how often do you uh, run across websites that you want to get information from only to find that they're geo-blocked? This is becoming an increasing problem, but ExpressVPN solves that problem for you. Uh, Now, if you go to our special URL, you'll see quite a list of things this service can help you with, things you may never have thought of before. As I say, it's the one I use, secure, fast, and it just works. Uh, So protect yourself online today and find out more about how to get three months free at tryexpressvpn.com/ space that's dot com slash space for three months free with a one-year package try expressvpn.com slash space to learn more and you'll find the link details in the show notes and on our website now back to the show
1: Okay, we checked all four systems and with a go.
0: Space Nuts. Now Fred, we'll focus our attention on another mission that's uh, been very successful and a little closer to home too. That's the Chang'e 4 lander, which uh, hit the dark side of the moon not so long ago. And uh, getting ready to do what it's supposed to do, which is very exciting. Uh, indeed, that's right. So uh, you're quite right that um, you know it, there's a
1: really lovely contrast between these two stories. There's uh, new horizons in the absolute fringes of the solar system, and right next door to us, vying for um, certainly media media attention, is this marvelous little Chinese lander, uh, which touched down on the moon's far side. Uh, actually on the 3rd of January, uh, so very, very close to the time that we were looking out for images for, from uh, uh, from New Horizons. In fact, I, um, on that day, I expected to be doing a lot of media on, on New Horizons, didn't get any on New Horizons, and spent the whole
0: day talking about Chang'e 4, which uh, was great. It's, it's always, uh, always good when these things happen during the Christmas New Year break because, um, as a journalist, I know we're always scratching for stories. The, so the news, that's right. Yeah, yeah. it's very, exactly. very handy when something happens.
1: Yeah. So what's happened? uh, This is the fourth um, uh, mission in the Chinese Chang'e series. Um, The idea of um, preparing the way, I think, for Chinese taikonauts, as they're called, uh, to perhaps walk on the moon sometime uh, within the next decade. Uh, But uh, Chang'e 4 carries uh, on board uh, a little rover. You might remember that uh, Chang'e 3 also had on board a rover, uh, which was called Yutu. Yutu meaning jade rabbit, and the jade rabbit was uh, designed to rove over the lunar surface on the near side of the of the moon. Um, but but actually, I think after only forty hours, the uh, the, the lander itself. Uh, sorry, the, the rover failed to rove. It did still have all its scientific capabilities and actually made observations over a number of years of, um, of the uh, various aspects of the moon and indeed the ultraviolet sky uh, as seen from the moon. Uh, but, um, but it couldn't rove. Uh, so now we have something called u 2 because it's number two in the U2 series. So yeah, this is
0: going to get confusing.
1: Is it not? Uh, has already been deployed very soon after the landing. Um, we saw images of u 2 rolling off its little um, landing platform, uh, a couple of ramps there, towards directly facing a small crater. Hmm. Um, just to Set the scene slightly. Uh, the lander has uh, the, the mission itself has targeted not just the the difficult far side of the moon because the far side of the moon, of course, is completely out of radio contact with the Earth, uh, and the Chinese have circumvented that by this marvelous um, uh, orbiting. Uh, spacecraft, which is called the Magpie Bridge. Uh, It comes from a a Chinese folktale. That's a relay satellite. And it's in what's called a halo orbit around one of these stable gravitational points, the the Lagrange point, which is about 20,000 kilometres beyond the moon. Uh, So that is in a position where it can always see both the Earth and the lander itself the Chang'e lander so that seems to be functioning perfectly so uh, that it gets you around the problem of radio contact on the far side of the moon Uh, as I said not only have they chosen the difficult far side of the moon to land on uh, but they've also gone into perhaps one of the most interesting areas of the moon and this is why the science that might come back from uh, from the Chang'e Four mission is uh, it, it is going to be very valuable. That's something called the uh, Aitken South Pole Basin. It's a very deep depression on the Moon's far side, as, it, as its name implies, near the South Pole. Uh, the terrain there is pretty rugged, and so you know they faced a challenge uh, in getting into that uh, basin uh there is a crater in there with a relatively flat bottom it's called the fun Karman crater and that's where they've landed so that's perhaps um, you know it's a, it's a great idea to try and land somewhere flat because landing in mountainous terrain mm. uh, when you're out of effectively out of radio contact directly um is 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 difficult to do but they've done it successfully and um, just to talk a little bit about the science that we might get back from this uh, as I explained, it's in the it's in the um, South Pole–Aitken basin. So that probably was formed very early in the history of the Moon uh, by a, a large object impacting the Moon. Um, uh, at that time, we've talked about it before—the the late heavy bombardment. There were all kinds of things charging around, and yeah. something big clouded the Moon and made this depression. And the likelihood is that when it did that. Um, it It brought up to the surface some of the lower mantle rocks of the of the of the then infant moon, uh, and so if we can sample the geology of this area, then we might find out things about the history of the moon and certainly uh, the early history of the moon that we we don 't already know so that 's one of the really exciting aspects of this it it carries Uh, a number of instruments on board, including ground-penetrating radar. There is a German experiment on board. It's uh, called the Lunar Lander Neutrons and Dosimetry Experiment. That's basically uh, looking at, well, as its name implies, uh, neutrons, uh, and the the radiation that's coming from the lunar rocks and soil. Um, Great stuff uh, in terms of understanding uh, uh, more about the, um, you know, more about the, uh, uh, the 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 history of this part of the lunar surface. So that that is one component of the science. Another is very interesting to astronomers because we think the the dark side of the moon, the far side of the moon, might actually be the most radio quiet place in our bit of the solar system, because um, all. Uh, radio signals from Earth are blocked off by the Moon itself, so there is uh, actually um, a set of antennas being carried on board the uh, uh, on, on board the spacecraft, which will actually set set the scene and give us ideas of what level of radio signal or radio background there is in this rather intriguing part of the moon. And the final experiment is the uh, little um, biosphere, a, a miniature biosphere, uh, which we've spoken about before, con- contains um, silkworms and then seeds of potatoes and uh, and cress, uh, which is hoped to be self-sustainable. So they'll oh, be... That would
0: be really interesting to, to watch. Uh, yeah. I, I used to keep silkworms when I was growing up. I used to... Um, I kept them for probably... Three or four years, and they just sort of go through their life cycle. It's um, yeah, it's uh, they're, they're intriguing creatures. But um yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really interested in how that one turns out. The the, um, the the first challenge for Chang'e four is about to happen because it's about to hit lunar night, and it gets super duper cold where they are.
1: Yeah, actually, they're at the opposite um, extreme at the moment, and uh, they've. Actually, had the um, the spacecraft essentially shut down mm. uh, to, um, to to sort of uh, protect it from the intensity of uh, of the um, basically the, uh, uh, the, the, the 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 heat of the lunar day. Ah, uh, so okay. I think until I think until today, um, and it's the tenth of January today. I think it has been shut down to. To, to prevent any damage because the temperature is in the region of 200 degrees Celsius, but then um, it drops to minus 180 uh, when it, uh, when it, it you get to the lunar night, and I think they're preparing uh, to uh, to go into this dormant state when uh, when it goes into the lunar night. So we'll we'll hear about. Uh, you know about how it survives that probably in about two weeks because yeah. the lunar day and the lunar night last a fortnight each um, interesting stuff it has already traveled uh tenth of a kilometer uh as it's um i beg your pardon that is incorrect that i'm i'm thinking now of the the original u2 which yeah it didn't get very start, far 148 yeah. meters that's right uh, but uh, there's certainly the you two has has already traveled across the lunar surface we've seen imagery of it it's great stuff
0: yeah and uh, obviously more to come you've got to hand it to the chinese uh, they, they've really come of age as uh, as um uh, beyond earth explorers and um you know I, it would not surprise me if they get people on the planet marching around well ahead of schedule uh, they just seem to have the all their ducks lined up. Boom, boom. Um, so we'll, we'll <laughs> all watch... All their Jade rabbits lined up. All that too. Um, yeah. We'll watch uh, and learn more from Chang'e 4 very, very soon, I hope. You're listening to Space Nuts. Andrew Dunkley here. Fred Watson there. Zero G and I feel fine. Space Nuts. Finally, Fred, we're going to look into this uh, phenomenon of alien abductions. This has been the subject of movies, documentaries, TV shows... For years and years and years, with so many people claiming to have been abducted by little grey aliens, and of course we know about the Roswell incident, um, uh, that uh, is now the subject of yet another TV series that starts soon. And what what's happening at the moment is that the the reports of alien abductions are down rather drastically, apparently, and uh, that makes um, one wonder what's going on now. The jury's out. Uh, I, I tend to think that this is some sort of uh, hysteria type of situation, but the people who who claim these things have happened are incredibly convincing and obviously truly believe what happened was an alien abduction. So I don't know where we start with this one. What, <laughs> what's your take on it? Over to well, you, Well, I'm going
1: I'm going to start with uh, by acknowledging the Boston Globe, who, who've done this um, investigation. One of their investigative journalists has looked at this. It's a very nice story. Um, it, 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 so there's a, a number of statistics that are quite surprising, I think. Uh, one is that, and this is actually a rather old poll. It's it's now seven years old, uh, done by National Geographic, but apparently 77 percent of Americans believe that aliens have visited the Earth, mm. which is a colossal number. Yes, um, and 30% of Americans believe that the government has covered up evidence of alien visitation. That's a, a more recent poll. Uh, it's you know it's um, these are very very high statistics. And then another poll in the UK uh, showed that one in 25 of the respondents who uh, who came back to this poll believe they've been uh, abducted by aliens uh, that was in 2014 that's 5 years ago mm. so it's an incredibly um, popular idea that um, that aliens have been around that they've um, actually taken people away and brought them back uh, and and it I think the history of that goes back to 1961 uh, when there was um, a, something that's very, a very famous case uh, within the alien abduction community uh, of Betty and Barney Hill. Who, yes, uh, I've bar- read the story. Mm. Yes, that's <laughs> right. They didn't. Uh, they, they, they thought something was following in, them in the car, and then found themselves thirty miles away or something, with no memory of what had actually happened. But regressive hypnosis demonstrated that they went through all kinds of interesting things, and th- and the whole alien abduction, um, you know, the whole alien abduction, uh, uh, well, fad, I guess, is what you'd call it, yeah. Uh, yeah. grew from there. Um, so And, of course, movies, books, the whole deal, oh, yeah. popular, popular things. So I, I think um, the sober voice of, uh, of this story uh, comes from people like uh, a Dr. Chris French, who's is actually at Goldsmiths College in London. Um, I love the name of the department that he heads up. It's the Anomalistic Psychology
0: Department. Oh, how cool is that? Uh, absolutely. That's oh, where great do you work? I work at the anomalistic something something <laughs> I couldn't remember the rest of it already
1: yeah, The anomalistic psychology department mm. uh, we should have one of those here so um, and you know a lot of studies of course relate these things to uh, to phenomena which go on in our in our brain um, The the facts that uh, the number of reported abductions seems to have fallen uh, is what they're really interested in, because that really comes about by um, okay, what are the what are the things that concern people now, and what are the things that are uppermost in our thoughts and imaginations uh, as we conduct our day to day lives, um, and also with. Well, things like anomalistic psychology, yeah. uh, that sort of thing. How does that play into it? Uh, so there, there is um, essentially uh, a, a reduction, as you said in the headline, a reduction of these uh, so-called abductions. Uh, and one of the reasons that's being put down for this
0: is actually the Internet uh, and you might think it would work the other way yeah well think- I was going to say i mean it's just chock full of garbage i mean <laughs> well sure, surely right. that would increase the numbers but
1: yeah so do tell. so the theory is that um, because because of the way we communicate with each other these days, uh, which is very different from what it was like in the 60s when there were, you know, three radio stations and, and two TV stations, certainly in the UK, mm. uh, that's the way it was in the early 60s anyway. Uh, so everybody was watching the same stuff. Nowadays, we've got a completely fragmented media scene and uh, the theory is that some of these, um, you know, the people who who are interested in alien abductions and who believe they might have been abducted uh, really keep themselves to themselves. They talk to like-minded people on the internet, but you don't get these, um, you know, uh, large-scale media reports. You don't get the... So we've basically created electronic segregation. In a way, that's right. Mm. Yes, that's absolutely right. So uh, it's uh, it, it, this is one of the reasons why this is thought to have been uh, uh, an effect. That there are others that uh, some of these researchers point to. One is, uh, you know, the the, the the dramatic change. I mean, it was a total change in our outlook uh, with nine eleven. Uh, that nine uh, eleven kind of brought a lot of us to our. Senses in the sense that uh, people, you know, believing in 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 um, alien abductions, suddenly had something else to concentrate on, which yeah. was we knew was very very real, uh, maybe it focused our minds in a in a, a sort of global uh, global sense. Um, just a, a few more a few more polls, though, that the um, there is still a, a large number of people and and again these are american statistics 56 percent of americans believed in ufos Uh, now that means unidentified flying objects Mm. and that does not necessarily mean aliens Uh, but uh, the belief in ufos is very very uh, prevalent that there is something that we don't understand whatever it is And and I think actually science takes a fairly sanguine view of this as well, that um, you know we we look at UFO reports and most of them turn out to be, actually most of them turn out to be the planet Venus, but a lot of them turn out to be other things as well. But there seems to be a handful that defy any kind of rational explanation. And and you and I have spoken about some of those before, some of these um, uh, remarkable results that have come from the US military where they've seen things moving very rapidly across the sky we talked about uh, pilots uh, coming into uh, to Southwest Ireland uh, just before Christmas. Um, yes, that's right. Uh, British pilots flying Virgin jets and, and others. I, I uh, think I put it down to military activity. I think at the end of the day, that's what we decided it might have been. Mm. So, so that, you know, that that's almost certainly uh, where most of these things will end up. But it is interesting that a large number of people are prepared to have an open mind about UFOs. Open, yeah, uh, and
0: we have to, you know, on the other side of the coin, there are, there are certainly a, a handful of unexplained phenomena involving yeah. alien abduction cases. So, you know, there might be a reasonable explanation, but we don't know what it is. That's right. But it draws me to something you and I talked about years and years ago, and that is the potential for intelligent life other than that on earth you know assuming we're intelligent but um we I think you and I talked about it quite some time ago what what are the odds in in terms of the development of the universe and the age of the universe and the expansion of the universe what are the odds of an intelligent race uh, developing and coexisting in the universe with us and being technologically advanced enough not only to find us but to visit us
1: and at the same time as we're around. Yes, that's the, that's yes the crucial exactly. Thing.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we have
1: talked about this before. And, uh, you know, the thinking among astrobiologists is now that um, higher order species, and by that, I mean uh, anything other than a single celled organism. Uh, while single celled organisms might be relatively commonplace throughout the universe, and hopefully we'll find the answer to that soon, mm. uh, the the transition to get from a single-celled organism up to a higher-order life form, and let alone a vertebrate, um, but something with multi-cells, um, that's apparently seen as very difficult. Uh, we know it only happened once on the Earth, for example. Yeah. Um, we are all directly descended from something called the last universal common ancestor. Uh, and if it's if it's been as rare as that on Earth, uh, where conditions are absolutely ideal for the development of life. We've got you know the moon stabilizing the Earth's rotation and tides uh, kind of washing the, the, um, the ocean chores. All, all of that sort of stuff seems to be conducive to the development and evolution of life. Uh, and that, some of those features could be quite rare. So people are now thinking, well, intelligent species within the universe may be so far apart, so rare, That they're never going to be able to know about each other. You know, if if we've got a a species on the other side of the universe that existed um, half a billion years ago, we're not going to know about it. Yeah, Uh, and that's a
0: fairly depressing picture. It is rather, and uh, probably suggests that we're just going to have to learn to live alone.
1: Well, I think it means we've got to learn to look after ourselves and and guard the planet that we we are um, we we inhabit. Nevertheless, things like Alien Inductions and uh, UFOs fill our imaginations. It gives uh, all kinds of scope for science fiction writers such as yourself.
0: Oh, you had uh, to bring uh, that up. <laughs> yeah, look. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I, I've finished my science fiction book, and I know we had a, a, a question from a science fiction writer um, a month or two back who asked a question about landing an asteroid on, on Earth. Uh, deliberately, yes. And I said, look, don't worry about the technicalities of it. It's science fiction. You can do whatever you like. Uh, well, my, my new book, and it's my first foray into science fiction, and inspired by this podcast and talking to you over the years, Fred, so there's a few um, elements in the book that uh, are drawn from things we've discussed. Uh, it will be out on the 1st of February. So it's Very called, good. it's called Parallax. I think you can pre-order the Kindle version now. Uh, but it'll start to pop up on various sites um, as as the distribution begins to to occur. But um, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that down the track. I mean, you I'm know, sure we will. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it now. But uh, yeah, it was fun to write. It was not fun to do all the the hard work to typeset it and get it all on. Uh, you know On par with the uh, with the distributor's requirements. That's a nightmare, to be honest. Uh, but I, I'm really pleased with my brother Steve, who not only designed the Space Nuts logo and our radio station's logo, DCFM here, but he designed the cover of the book, which I'm very very happy with. A um, few people who've seen it already have gone, "Wow, that's pretty good." Uh, I've seen it, and I think that is pretty good. Mm. I think it right yeah yeah so uh, we're going to wrap it all up um we'll be back again uh next week with a new edition and i think we're going to focus on questions only because we got quite a few over the christmas new year period people obviously super bored and uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll sure, tackle... what
1: should we do oh let's let's email space no? yes,
0: and they did. so we'll uh, we'll tackle a few of those and see uh if we can come up with some answers to your questions fred as always it's been a great pleasure and Thanks for coming back this year. It's good.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. I wouldn't miss it for anything. Thanks a lot, Andrew, and we'll talk again soon.
0: That's astronomer-at-large uh, Fred Watson. And from me, Andrew Dunkley, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Space Nuts. Space Nuts.
1: You've been listening to the Space Nuts podcast.
0: Subscribe to the full podcast on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Stitcher or your favourite podcast distributor.
1: This has been another quality podcast production from sites.com.